Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Amen. Thank God. It feels good to have live bodies being able to meet together. And uh, men especially, what a, what a joy it is to preach to men. That's a great privilege in my life, and I don't take it lightly that uh, some of you travel, you make a great effort to be here. So I'm trusting that God is going to speak to us tonight. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Psalm chapter 141. When I was pastoring in uh, Johannesburg, South Africa, at one point in time, I got very sick intense abdominal pain and uh, finally went to the doctor. The doctor couldn't help me, put me on to a specialist. And so the specialist said, we're going to do a test. And for this test, you can't eat for six hours, I think it was, before we do the test. And so I uh, fasted, wound up doing the test. We're waiting. He said, we'll, we'll have the results here very shortly. So because I hadn't eaten as soon as they, it was like uh, outpatient attached to a hospital. As soon as uh, we finished that, I went into the little shop they had in the front of the hospital, and, and I bought a couple of candy bars, and I bought the jumbo kind. I bought big candy bars. It's like, I am going to enjoy this. I was, he told me to come back to this room, and he'd give me the results, and he happened to walk in just as I unwrapped it. I was about to take a glorious bite, and he said, Don't eat that! And then he told me, he said, You have severe pancreatitis. He told me, Actually, if you hadn't come to me today, you probably would be dead tomorrow. He said, If you eat that, it probably is going to kill you. Don't eat that. Now, I'm glad that my doctor didn't say, you know, I just want the hospital to be a warm and accepting place. I want you to feel loved here. That's not what he said. Don't eat that. Because he was trying to save my life. The scripture that we're going to read, it tells us something. And it says, if someone can't tell you the truth... You are in danger. So sometimes truth comes through what I would call from this passage, kind rebukes. If you want to be a man of God, in fact, you want to be a man, you are going to have to be able to receive rebukes. I want to preach about kind rebukes. Psalm 141, starting at verse 1. 
says, I called to you, Lord, come quickly to me. Hear me when I call to you. May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be uh, like the evening sacrifice. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not let my heart be drawn to what is evil so that I take part in wicked deeds along with those who are evildoers. Do not let me eat their delicacies. Verse 5, let a righteous man strike me. That is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. That is oil on my head. My head will not refuse it, for my prayer will still be against the deeds of evildoers. Skip to verse 9. Keep me safe from the traps set by evildoers, from the snares they've laid for me. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass by in safety. Kind rebukes. I want to begin. Let's talk about some evaluation errors in this scripture, this is a man, he is looking at himself. And one of the problems with looking at yourself is we can have mistaken ideas. Look at some wrong ideas that we can have about ourselves in life. Number one, wrong idea number one is I am right. Some people think everything I say, everything I do, everything I think, it is right. Why? Because it's me. Sometimes people feel that way because they have always felt that way. They've always talked like that, so it just, it just must be right. Other people, they think they are right because what they feel, they feel very strongly about it. There are people, as, it's clear, I wouldn't be so upset if I wasn't right. I must be right. Look how upset I'm getting. Right? It's Proverbs 26, 12. Do you see a man who's wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him. Mistaken idea number two. I will always be right. Some people, they did some good things in the past. They made some right decisions in the past and it worked out well for them. And so when you make right decisions, when you do right things, often that brings blessing. And it brings blessing that you can see. Their relationships perhaps have flourished, or there's fruitfulness, or there's money, finances that are coming to their life, or they have ministry. The problem with that is that some people, they assume that that means forever and ever until Jesus comes, I therefore will always be right because look, I was right back there. Recently, I had to confront a man who had been very rebellious and causing problem in another church and giving these incredible opinions. And finally, I said, what, why do, what gives you this right to pass judgment on everybody? You're passing judgment on your pastor, on the family. What have you done in life that is so great? And he said, well, 23 years ago, I won some people to Jesus they got saved and they're in church. And I said, that was 23 years ago. And I began to like, but what happened since then? When's the last time you, no, it was 23 years ago. So I said, 
because you did something good 23 years ago, you think for the rest of your life, everything comes out of your mouth is correct? <laughs> that's, that's just simply not right. Third mistaken idea. People who love me will always say good things to me. Some people have this idea is, if you love me, you will say nice things to me. People who love me will agree with me. People who love me will praise me. They will point out all my good attributes. Listen to me. Gentlemen, you know the only people who will always say good things to you? Salesmen. Right? A salesman will look and go, have you lost weight? You're looking good. I knew the moment I saw you walk into the store, I said to myself, that is an intelligent man. You know why? Because he's trying to get something from you. Fourth wrong idea is that anyone who says anything negative to me is against me. If you say anything that makes me feel bad, that is because you're against me. And I, I get it. There are people here, you've had past experiences, maybe the way you were raised. I, I get it. There's been abuse or someone treated you terribly or whatever. But listen, life goes on. There are people that they come to the conclusion, you don't like me. Why would you say that? Because you said something negative. You told me that I was wrong. But I told you you're wrong because you're wrong. That has nothing to do with whether I like you or don't like you. But there are people, this is how they interpret life. Listen to me. You make a mistake if you interpret every negative word, every correction as a vote on your value or your worth. Right? You, you talk to a guy and said, you know, listen, when we do outreach and you didn't bring the microphones, you, that's not good. So what you're saying is I'm worthless. No, this is not a worth issue. We got to have one of these, bro. This is, I'm not voting on your worth as a human being. I'm telling you, if you want to do an outreach, bring the stinking microphone. This isn't about your worth. But that's how people, they interpret everything. If you say something, that's because you're against me. You're biased. You're, you're saying I'm entirely bad and I'm I've never done anything good. And I'm no, this is simply about what you did or what you said. So all of those are incorrect. This scripture is talking and this man is saying, God, I need you to help me. Why? Because it's possible that I could be wrong. I could look at myself. That's what he's doing is I'm looking at myself. This, the writer of this is saying, I'm looking at myself and he understands, you know what? I could look at myself and I could be wrong. I'm coming to a conclusion, an assessment. It's not even right. We could be completely wrong. You know, maybe in life you have always been wrong, but you just didn't realize it. Right? Salvation is like this. Isn't that what salvation is? 
Aren't we saying to people when we witness to them, we are saying you are completely wrong in your life. Saul of Tarsus is riding on his high horse. He thinks he's hot stuff. God knocks him off his horse. You are completely wrong. The way you're approaching all of life has been incorrect. And so it's possible in some areas of life that, that maybe we've always been wrong, but maybe just no one has ever told you. Or maybe they've told you it just never sank in. We can be completely wrong. Our scripture tells us we can be blinded. We can be self-deceived. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? In our verse, verse 3, Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. He's not saying, look at him, look at him, God. He's saying, God, you know what? I can talk and my words can be wrong. I don't know if any of you have ever had words that were wrong. I have. First got into a band. Uh, I wound up, I was the band leader. We went on our first out-of-town outreach at this uh, theater that the pastor had uh, booked. The stage manager, the guy who ran this building, he was asking me questions because I was in charge of the band, asking me what we wanted in the lights and all that. In my mind, I was answering him. I thought I was just giving him information. But when we walked away, the guys in the band, they said, you really ticked that guy off. And I was like, what? I had no... To me, I'm just saying facts, but everybody else who heard my words said you were speaking to him offensively, and I had no idea. None of you have ever done that, of course, but we can be wrong because we have changed over time. Verse 4, he says, don't let my heart be drawn to what is evil, so I take part in wicked deeds along with those who are uh, evildoers. Don't let me eat of their delicacies. In other words, he's saying, God, right now, I think I'm doing right. I need you to help me because it's possible over time that I could get off track. David, the Bible says, he is a man after God's own heart. But he winds up in sin because it's possible that we can change over time unless God helps us. You can be drawn away, like this scripture says, over time. Even though we did right in the past. Listen, when you, when you do right in the past, it's not like playing Monopoly. You don't get a get-out-of-jail-free card for the rest of your life. Hey, I did right one time, bro. Like, it's forevermore. I can never get off because, look, I, you know, 1972, I, I, I was there. I did it right. Life doesn't work like that. Even if you've done right in the past, you have to keep doing right. 1 Kings 2.28, Joab defected to Adonijah even though he didn't defect to Absalom. Look in the past. Re Absalom rebels. I'm not going with you. That's wrong. Excellent. But the problem is there was another rebel and he went along with it. So, when you put these things together, here's the issue. If you can't see yourself, if I can't see myself, 
we are in danger. That's why the writer here says, God, you have to help me. If we can't see ourselves, we can never change. John 8, 32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And if we can't see ourselves, we can be destroyed. Proverbs 13, 13, he who despises the word will be destroyed. Or one translation says, whoever scorns instruction will be destroyed. Hobart, Tasmania is a city built on a big river, the Derwent River. There's a huge bridge called the Tasman Bridge. It spans over the entire length or the width of the, the river, big arch. A ship, a captain misjudged, hit one of the support pillars and knocked out a huge span of what it is, like a, a highway going across, knocked out an entire span, but because the bridge's arch, he knocked it out in the middle, you couldn't see the piece was missing. So cars started just driving off, and it was like a hundred-foot drop. They're dying. Somebody, he was able to skid to a stop, and he started waving at people, don't go that way. But you're in the middle of a bridge in the middle of the night, and a guy pops out on the highway, so what do they do? Crazy dude drove around him to their death. This guy's trying to save them. No, don't. Probably drunk, dear. Go around him. <laughs> Listen, if you, he could see what they couldn't see. If we can't see what's really going on in us, we're going to be like that. It's possible we'll never change, or maybe it will destroy us. So, if all that's true, let's talk secondly about kind rebukes. This scripture tells us something. It is impossible to ever fully see ourselves by ourselves. 2 Corinthians 10, 12, when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they're not wise. You ever be talking to somebody and they're talking like, hi, bro, and their breath is like, I think I'm going to die. And you're thinking, dude, how can you not smell that? I'm dying here. Do you know why? You can never smell your own stink. <laughs> you can smell other people. But brother, toxic breath, it's like he's been sucking on a gym sock he has no idea. Yeah. <sighs> Flowers are wilting. <laughs> you can't smell your own stink. This is the problem. This is why you ever meet people you're witnessing. He's like, yes, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. I, I just feel I have a relationship with the Lord. How dumb is that? Because that means you're going to miss out. There are whole things about you that you're never going to see. Same principle, can't smell your own stink. No, I don't want to get in a band or drama. There are people there that, they're not very spiritual. They irritate me, so I'd rather just be with Jesus alone. That's foolish. 
This scripture says you need someone to help you see the truth. You need an outside perspective. When I, when I was hurting in South Africa, I didn't say, you know what I think it is? I think it's gas. If I diagnosed myself, I'd be dead. I needed somebody else to check on me and say, you are much sicker than you realize. So the outside perspective, of course, this begins with God. This psalm is actually a prayer. He's praying to God. He's praying to the God of truth who knows everything. Verse 3 and 4, set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Don't let my heart be drawn to what is evil. Listen, when you pray, by all means, pray for our nation, pray for revival, pray that God give you money. That's all wonderful. But one of the things that you better pray is, God, show me me. Show me the truth. Help me to see Myself, Psalm 139, 23 and 24, God examine me and know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts, see if there be any bad thing in me, lead me on the road to everlasting life. You must have God show you the truth about yourself and that will only come if you ask and you open yourself to God. But then our scripture goes on and says, seeing clearly... And being protected from ourselves will always involve other people. Here's the truth in life. We need other people to tell us the truth. The truth that we cannot see. Right? You know that bad breath thing? You know how I know that? Every once in a while my wife will go, Would you like a breath mint? A breath strip, you know, I use those Lysol or, or lip, what, what are they called? <laughs> Listerine, that's it, not Lysol. <laughs> Some people need Lysol, that would be. <laughs> Every once in a while, my, my wife will look at me in love and like, would you like a breath strip? Would you like five? <laughs> and or she's telling me, I smell something you don't smell. You need some help here. If you're young, it's parents. If you're married, your wife, and men hate this, your wife will often tell you the truth before anybody else. Bosses, friends, pastors, whatever that is, listen, they will tell you. They will tell you personally that that's, sometimes you'll have someone who loves you and says, you know what? The guys in the band, they're my friend. They said, Greg, you were offending that guy. They helped me by telling me that. For some of you, maybe it's not someone telling you in love. It's conflict. If in every human relationship, you know what? If you get in conflict at work, you get in conflict with your wife, you get in conflict in ministry, you get in conflict with people at church, you know what? If there's a trail of conflict and you were there every time, (laughs) 
The suspect list is narrowing, isn't it? Because conflicts reveal. Some of you, this never occurs to you. Well, of course I'm in conflict. The world is filled with jerks. Yes, it is. The old saying, if one man calls you a donkey, ignore him. If five men call you a donkey, buy a saddle. Because this is revealing. So, here's the problem. Many of us, when someone tells us the truth, we resent it. We're not like, thanks, man. I was killing people with my breath, and you told me, and I thank God. No, we resent it. Like, you're against me, aren't you? You've never liked me. That's why you're saying that. We suspect them of bad motives, being biased. You're unfair. You just don't like me. They're all just jealous. And we resent. Listen, simple question in life. Let me ask you. Who in your life can tell you the truth? Who? I get people like, yeah, and there's you. Okay, you won't receive it from me. So who can tell you this? Right? I'm, I'm trying to help you. You don't want to hear from me? Who? Can your wife tell you? Can a friend tell you? Can your boss tell you? Who can tell you the truth? Is every person biased in the whole world? Because that, that's just not going to work. Our scripture gives us a radical thing about, it's a perspective that we don't think of. People who tell us the truth. Some truth is no fun, is it? When people get, my friends, you talk to that guy like a jerk. I didn't go, wow, I feel warm and fuzzy inside. It's like, oh man. But our scripture says, people who tell you the truth, it is Kindness. Verse 5, let a righteous man strike me. That is a kindness. I'm going to tell you, some, some rebukes don't feel like kindness. It's not enjoyable. It's like, wow, that was awesome. Hey there, Sermon Podcast listeners. This is Pastor Adam back with you again. Wanted to just take a second here to thank you once again for listening to this sermon podcast. We've had an explosive rate of growth and listenership for the past few weeks, and we hope that you appreciate these daily sermons to encourage you and help you. I just want to share a couple of ratings that we've gotten in the Apple Podcast application. Clint B. writes a five-star review. He said, I am so grateful for our fellowship. Thank you. This podcast, very helpful through the day. Uh, Bobby Sanford from North Carolina said, inspiring. Awesome to hear sermons that are encouraging and inspiring to the church. Uh, we could really use your help to add a couple more of these very helpful reviews. Uh, these do help us to get the word out about this podcast. I want you to know that we have a truly worldwide impact with this podcast. 
from the United States to the UK, Australia, Ireland, Germany, New Zealand, South Africa, Netherlands, Canada, Romania, Afghanistan, Namibia, Vietnam, Switzerland, Kenya, India, Russia, Hong Kong, Ghana, Uganda, Guam, Meritus, Brazil, Puerto Rico, Mexico, Zambia, Japan, Jamaica, Malaysia, Israel, Ukraine, the list goes on and on of nations that are listening to these sermons. So we just want to say thank you for listening. Make sure that you're subscribed. Make sure that you're sharing these when you hear a good one. And please, if you haven't done so already, make sure you leave a five-star rating and a review of what you like about this podcast. Thank you again for listening, and back to the rest of the sermon. Rebuke. Correction, our scripture says, is proof of love. We look at it totally opposite. You hate me. Why? Because you told me that I shouldn't do that. No, no, no. Listen, if I hated you, I would let you go ahead and destroy yourself. But because I love you, I don't want you to keep offending everybody in the world. I don't want you to keep getting fired and wrecking every ministry you get into. I don't want you to run off every convert that ever comes into your life. No, no, no. It's the opposite. I love you. That's why I told you you were wrong. Revelations 3.19, as many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Listen, someone who loves you will tell you, listen, you're hurting your effectiveness. I want you to be effective. I don't want you to be in ministry and just, and with no hope of ever being fruitful. They want you to fulfill your destiny. They want you to become who God wants you to be. Abigail said to David, your soul is bound up in the bundle of life. One pride-filled twit has ticked you off. You're about to go murder everybody. Don't you get this, David? Someday, it's going to be time for God to raise you up, and they're going to go, that jerk. Don't do this. And what did he say? Blessed be Abigail and her wisdom. That was kindness. She wasn't dissing me. She wasn't voting on my entire worth as a human being. She was saying, in this case, you are wrong. And that's love. Someone who loves you doesn't want you to be destroyed. Because, like, you know, some choices you can make are like, you know, some choices don't really matter. What you ate for breakfast, God didn't care. Doesn't matter. But I have people, they come to me, and so I think, uh, that's a terrible idea. I mean, this, real, this is going to affect your whole life. This is going to affect your salvation. This is going to affect your marriage. This is going to destroy you. A woman named Lauren Lacks, she had an eating disorder. She would work out for six to seven hours a day. When she ate, it was tiny heapings of steamed vegetables and Maybe occasionally a little bite of a turkey burger. She got down, Lauren Lacks weighed 79 pounds. She arrived one morning to work out at the YMCA, and she was going to be there all day long. 
a group of regulars at the gym were waiting for her. And when she pulled in the parking lot, they met her and they said, we are taking you to the hospital. You are sick. She was, and they said, we're not going to give up. Look at you. You are not well. You have to go to the hospital. They finally persuaded her. Today she calls those people, they are my YMCA angels. Because she got help. She got healthy. She didn't like it when they told her the truth. Look at you. You're about to die. You have got to fix this. And that is kindness. Let's talk finally about responding to rebukes. You know what? You have to choose your response. You are going to be rebuked in life. I promise you. Somebody will. Wife, boss, pastor, ministry partner, friend. Somebody is going to rebuke you. You got to choose your response. What are you going to do when somebody tells you the truth? You can reject rebukes, of course. You can reject correction. This, this is what happens when people like, don't, you know, that whole microphone thing, it's got to be fixed. That's it. Then I'm not going to be in ministry. Or they sulk. They pout. They sit in the back. You can do that. You're going to be very unhappy. Because whatever rebuke made you unhappy, it won't be the last. So that means basically you're going to spend your whole life being unhappy. Right? You're going to limit your effectiveness. When my friends told me that, I, I had no idea that the way I was speaking was offensive. That was going to hurt me. I wanted to preach the gospel. Imagine that. If I'm pastoring a church, new people are coming to the church, and I think I'm telling them information, and I'm offending them when I say I'm never coming back. That doesn't make sense. It would be foolish for me to reject that. You can hurt other people. You can fail to achieve your destiny. You can be destroyed if you reject rebukes. Second response is you can, of course, receive rebukes. You can receive correction. Verse 5, my head will not refuse it. That means you can listen. This part of life, you have to hear what the person rebuking you is saying. Now, let me, let me just say right here. One of the great mistakes that we make, and this is especially true in marriage, is we dismiss what they say. Because you know, Husbands or wives, any of you that are married, you know exactly what I'm talking about right here. So they're saying, you know what, when you did that, that was offensive. Oh, oh, oh is that with the way my face went? Is that how my voice sounded when I was talking like, and they play, that's it. I'm not going to listen because I know my face didn't look like that. The face is not the point. The voice is not the point. What's the message? And so many men, they reject the message because the face and the voice wasn't exactly right. He said it, and he said it mean. Okay. Okay, it would have been nice. I would prefer that you not act like a jerk. Okay, that would be great. But maybe he didn't. Maybe he got in your face and said, don't ever do that again. 
The doctor said, don't eat that. <laughs> you hurt my feelings. <laughs> no matter how he said it, it was true. Sometime back, I trying to help a man. He wouldn't listen, wouldn't listen. I finally said, listen, you are absolutely filled with pride. And he said, you know, people have been telling me that for years. <laughs> I'm like, so when are you going to listen, right? Even unfair critics. You're going to learn this in life. Some people, they will say things, and they're not saying it out of the best motives. They're being unfair. They're being harsh or critical. But is there a kernel of truth in there? You, you can learn from people who don't even like you if you're smart. You can open yourself to correction. You know, here's a radical thought. How about asking the people around you? What about seeking input and feedback? This is dangerous. I get it, but... If you can ask the people around you, people who can and will be honest with you, you know, do you think I'm filled with pride? Do, do you think I'm obnoxious when I talk? Do you think I'm wrong in this instance? The key to asking that question is you have to be willing to let them tell the truth, right? And this, at the end of the day, requires something that the Bible calls Humility. Humility is not going around saying, I'm worthless, I'm a worm. Humility is honest evaluation. And honest evaluation is embarrassing at times. It's, it's difficult sometimes to admit. First Peter 5, 5, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourself to elders. All of you clothe yourself with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Fascinating, this scripture was written by Peter. And remember, Galatians 2, the apostle Paul says, I had to rebuke Peter to his face. When the Gentiles are, he's with only Gentiles, he's like, Ham sandwich and BLTs. The Jews come, it's like, no pork for me. And the apostle Paul, he called him out on it. He said, bro, you're a hypocrite. You, you act like a Gentile with the Gentiles and all ham is good now. And the Jews come, oh, evil pork. That's, that's hypocrisy. But Peter received it. And he's the one who writes and he says, God fights pride. But he gives grace to people who humble themselves. You know what? I don't like what you told me, but it was true. That, that's, the, that's the terrible thing about some of the things you hear in life. They're no fun. They don't make me feel good, but it was true. You're right. Maybe your face didn't. I didn't like the way you said it, but what you said was true. I get it. Humility. If you want to be healed, you have to act on rebukes. This is at the end of the day. It's not enough. This, this is where we were joking. Pastor Cox and I were talking. You ever, you ever see this in, in churches? That they're, the guys, they get the real loud result. Preach. That's right. Altar call. Come on. 
You know, if you do that through the whole sermon, you're not done yet. Some guys think it was a great sermon. I said, preach all the way through. But what are you going to do about it? It doesn't really matter if you're shouting all the way through. What are you going to do? There's a businessman. He's a Christian, John D. Beckett. He went to the dentist. He's in the dental chair. They put all this stuff in his mouth. He needed a filling. His, <laughs> they get all this stuff in his mouth. And the dental technician said, Mr. Beckett, I want to thank you for firing my husband. <laughs> she said, 10 years ago, my husband got a job at your company and he failed his drug test. And she said, you called him in and you said, you failed the drug test. I have no choice. I'm going to have to fire you. But you told my husband, you're at a crossroads. If you keep going the way you are, you're going to destroy yourself. You can use this drug test that you failed as a wake-up call. He says, you can choose to turn your life around. She says, I want you to know my husband, he listened. He took your advice. Today, he's a good father. He's a good husband. He has a great job. She said, thank you for firing my husband. He acted on the rebuke. Our scripture tells us there's very practical things that flow, blessings that flow if we can receive rebukes and correction. Number one, our text tells us rebukes bring healing. Verse five, let him rebuke me and that is oil on my head. Oil. Ancient times, it was medicinal. It, was, it brought part of the healing process. We read the book of Luke, the Samaritan poured in the oil and wine where the man was hurting. Why? To heal him. So the, this scripture says a rebuke can bring healing. Part of it is nothing more than our pride. It's not good that you win every time. It's not good that everything you do, people, lovely, lovely, golf club. It's healthy sometimes when you do wrong. Don't ever do that again. Because if we didn't, our head wouldn't fit in this building. So it's healing. But part of a, part of a rebuke is healing us where we are diseased. Some, listen, some, in talking about this, I get it. While I'm talking, some of you, you're flashing on your dad that was abusive, somebody who told you you were stupid all your life. I get that. That was abuse. That was wrong. But I'm not talking about that. And so what happens is people have wounds that they never heal. That's why when you say, look, you didn't bring them my God, you think I'm stupid. You know why they're saying that? Because they've never gotten healed from all the junk that happened when they're a little kid. So, no, no, this rebuke is going to heal you. You've got to get over this. That's not a healthy reaction. If you quit every time someone tells you the truth, that's not good. Number two, our text says rebukes bring protection. Verse 9 and 10, keep me safe from the traps set by evildoers, from the snares they laid for me. 
Let the wicked fall in their own nets while I pass by in safety. But the context of all that is not just a prayer for God, keep me safe. It's God, when I'm rebuked, I'm going to listen. Oh God, keep me safe. Because the rebuke is part of the protection. Some years ago, a, uh, the Minnesota Vikings had a, a player, Corey Stringer. He died from a heat stroke because he was doing conditioning drills at 108 degree heat. So what they did is they started giving players a radio pill. Tiny little radio transmitter. They would swallow it. And what they do is the practice is going on. They can have a trainer step in front of them with a scanner and he can tell what the internal temperature is. And he can say, you're getting too hot. Take a break. Go drink something. Sit in the shade. You're in danger. That is what a rebuke that is received does. It protects you. We need protection from ourselves. Don't tell me about the evil world. Protection comes from receiving rebukes. Final thought. Rebukes bring anointing. Verse 5. Let him rebuke me. That is oil on my head. I told you before, oil brought healing. Oil in the Bible was a symbol of anointing. Psalm 133, 2 and 3, it's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down to the edge of his garments, like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded blessing, life evermore. This is a picture of Aaron and the anointing oil, the Holy Spirit. That's a picture of it. And he says that the Holy Spirit covers it runs down. It flows into every part of your life. And he says, part of anointing is receiving rebukes. Something changes in us supernaturally when we're rebuked and when we receive rebukes. For some of us, it's equipping. Let my friends help me. When you talk, that's offensive. I had no idea. They were helping me for life. Listen, that's why everybody needs to be in ministry. Because you learn lessons. I learned lessons today. I haven't been in a band. That band, that was like Noah got off the boat and then I was in a band. That was a long time ago. I still use lessons to this day that I learned in the band. Some of them were painful. Some I didn't enjoy at all. But I learned. It was equipping me, supplying something that, lacking, that is lacking, which is another meaning of the word anointing. But then a supernatural dimension. Remember, the oil on Aaron, it flows down into Every part, all the way down to the robe, every part. Someone who has the ability to receive a rebuke and say, I'm going to change. I'm going to humble myself. I receive what you say. I get the message. I'm going to change. You know what? It doesn't just fix that problem. Something flows because God is pleased. God is pleased with humility. God gives grace to the humble. Is that right? So that means then, 
you now have an anointing when you go on your job. It, it will change things. It will bring an anointing into your marriage. It'll bring an anointing when you witness on the streets. It'll bring an anointing when you stand behind the microphone to preach or pull an altar call. It, it's supernatural. And that comes. If I, if I look back on my life, I, I could tell you I had somebody sent me a list of questions today, and they were talking about, you know, what qualified you and what blah, blah, blah. I, you know, I could tell you there's some good things that I did and I learned, but honestly, there were some marking points in my life that I could say at this point, my wife told me that I was wrong. At this point, my friend said, you're acting like a jerk. At that point, my pastor said, if you do that, that's going to hurt you for the future. There's some different points in time at which, you know, and... Said, this is stupid. I'm going to keep doing this. Why don't I admit it? You're right. You said I was a jerk because I was a jerk. You're right. I don't want to be a jerk. I wasn't like, I didn't wake up in the morning going, today is jerk day. No, I, it, it was natural. It was in there. And I said, I don't want to be like that. But there were some marking points in time. Things changed in my life. Not from people patting me on the back and saying, you go, bro. But from people putting their finger in their fa my face. And it, and it changed some things. Just like, it's almost like the Bible is telling the truth. There are men that are here in your life that you've struggled over this very simple issue. You, you struggle, you go to church. Some of you here, I'm, I'm confident while I'm preaching, you've been mad at your pastor now for a long time. You come to church, but on the inside, he's preaching, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why? Because somewhere along the line, he told you the truth. I don't know whether he said it with a smiley face. I don't know. Maybe he was upset. Maybe his veins were popping a little bit. It would have been better if he didn't do that. But, but was it true? So you've never been the same. You've changed your destiny because you couldn't receive a rebuke. That doesn't make sense. So in your marriage, I have no idea what my wife wants. She's told you 5,000 times. When you receive... A rebuke, I'm telling you, it can change your life. I want you to bow your heads. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website, vbph.org, and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.